The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What is up, Rohan, man? How have you been? Welcome to the off-season. It's summer. I'm excited because that means football is just around the corner. We got like a month and a half until some training camp action. And then after that, we're down to the nitty-gritty. So how have you been? How you doing? How, are you excited? What's going on, my man? Hey, man. I mean, it's it's been a it's been a fun, uh, fun summer so far. Obviously, we're getting into it with the 49ers. And there there's a lot of talk always around the 49ers and so for us you know uh, we're trying to figure out something to do but it, hey it's been a it's been a good time and uh excited to top shop with you right now yeah me too man uh, like you said not much going on but we can always look forward to next training camp so i think that's kind of what the vibe of tonight's show is is what are we going to look forward to obviously there's the quarterback battle but that's been dragged in the mud um so many times so today I think Rohan and I want to kind of highlight some of the big position battles, any stories that have kind of been leading up um, into the last over week, uh, a couple of weeks to kind of recap. So I'm going to kind of kick this off with the Debo Samuel, man. I've, obviously, he's been kind of trending on the timeline a lot. This guy's locked in. You know, last year he, he basically said a couple of weeks ago that, um, you know, he felt like his performance what last year was awful. He looked at the film with, you know, Kyle Shanahan, and he says he was sluggish. He just wasn't happy with um, what he put on tape. And, he rightfully shouldn't be, you know, the year before 2021, amazing season. We've seen all the, the highlights and everything. You're just like, wow, got him paid. Obviously, last year, you know, he was kind of distracted. And he said, you know, he was looking into getting paid, didn't want to get hurt. So he didn't really train as hard. This offseason, you can just see that focus. But not only that, you got a guy named Brandon Ayuk just right by him. That's ready to get paid himself. So I don't know. I'm super excited about these receivers. I feel like. Debo, he knew he was like on the cusp of becoming a superstar. I don't I want to say he took like a step back, but I think he's he wants to be back at that superstar status. I don't know. How do you feel about the wide receiver um, going into the the training camp situation? Because there's a lot of other good wide receivers, a lot of young talent. You got a guy like Juwan Jennings, who's also budding and he's in a contract year. You know, you expect him to kind of come in uh, firing. He's been on the team for a few years. And then again, Debo, man, like he was the catalyst to this offense. Can he become that catalyst again? And, and what do you expect out of this group? This is a very interesting question, not only because of the stuff about Debo Samuel, right? Him talking about him being, him being awful. First, I'll start with that. I mean, I like the accountability because if we're being honest, Debo Samuel was not good last year, according to his expectations. He, he had a down year. And when I did my film reviews every week, I'd point out there are some plays where you it was clear his effort level wasn't as high. And it's more so in the plays where he isn't getting the ball. When Debo Samuel has the ball in his hands, we know what Debo Samuel can do. That's unquestioned. You know that Debo Samuel is able to bring it when he's got the ball in his hands. But that effort level had to be there 100%. And I think it really started in the offseason, right? When you talk about the offseason and how that went along, um, Debo Samuel, unfortunately, you know, he, he wasn't there because he was uh, he was doing his thing in Florida with the contract negotiations, a trade discussion. And he comes into camp out of shape, alters the beginning of that season for Debo Samuel. 
I'm sure the quarterback changes, the significant amount of quarterback changes didn't help, got injured a little bit, but should be averaging over 600 yards um, per season, more than 600 yards. He got 632 last year. You paid him $28 million or $25 million, whatever it may be. You're expecting a little more than that, and it's cool to see him take accountability. And right now, it seems like he's motivated. There at minicamp, he's ready. He looks in shape. And I, I'm excited to see what Debo Samuel is able to provide for the 49ers in 2023 and what likely is a crucial year because of the point you brought up with Brandon Ayuk also looking for a contract. Yeah, no, 100%. You got Brandon Ayuk. Like, everybody's talking him up. They talked him up last year. He had his best season, 1,000-yard receiving year. You know, he's he's primed to become, like, a top-10 wide receiver, maybe top-5 like Diamond or Lenore. Um, Debo said, "What well, you can't even cover this guy in a phone booth. That's ridiculous. Um, the route running is amazing. We've seen his physical transformation, you know, physically uh, just looks so big and menacing now. I mean, this guy, I don't know, man. Like, I was talking to Larry about this earlier, Larry Kruger, and he asked me straight up. He goes, if you could, you know, keep only one of them, Debo and Ayuk, who do you keep? And, and as much as I love Debo, as much as he's kind of that tone setter, and as much as he's, like, the embodiment of 49ers wide receivers, the yak guy, the physical, just in your mouth type guy, Brandon Ayuk, man, you put him on any other team, uh, he's he's going to get you at least 1,500 yards, maybe 10, 12 touchdowns. Like this guy is a special bona fide wide receiver one anywhere else in the league. Um, you know, with the 49ers, they're a run first team, but it's kind of a good problem to have. I feel if Debo can become Debo again, or that 2021 version of, of Debo, and like you said, a little bit more than 600 yards. If you can get 1,000 yards, squeeze something like that out of them with, with Brandon Ayuk, this might be the best wide receiver duo in the league. It's it's the most versatile wide receiver duo in the league. But I feel like this two, these two, maybe like a Pro Bowl pair of receivers. I don't know. I'm excited. What are your expectations on Brandon Ayuk, man? Yeah, and I mean, you talk about the two of them. And this is why I'm very intrigued, because they've got a special relationship. Yeah. They've been together, really, for the majority of their careers. Samuel, obviously, one year ahead of Brandon Ayuk, but they've been together. They've been that one-two punch for the 49ers. And in a way, both of them – the 49ers need both of them to be at their best this year. But it's also, in this symbiotic relationship, a little bit of a competition in 2023, understanding that, yeah, the 49ers might not be able to keep both receivers – for the foreseeable future and so that might mean the bigger performer might be the guy um going moving forward between brennan Ayuk and debo samuel i've hinted at it before and my thoughts are with you right now i think that if you were to keep one guy it's going to be brennan Ayuk. his play level is a little more sustainable i think you can get him on a fairly mm -hmm. solid contract and i think that he embodies a little better uh, as at least as a specifically as a receiver, what the 49ers would require. He's a little more reliable and he's also fairly healthy for the most part. And so I think overall, I, I, I like uh, what you're saying about Brandon Ayuk. And I think that this season, especially seems like he's the most motivated, you know, he's taken, he's taken a year by year by year step, obviously a little, a uh, little bit of hampered uh, in year two when he was in the doghouse uh, for a little bit and, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. I've had my thoughts on it. Don't necessarily, you know, there were there were differences in Brandon Ayuk's play. I didn't think his play was up to uh, up to par to begin year two. I thought that there were certain things with his route running, with well, really with the entirety of his um, game that needed improvement, and he certainly improved to end the year after you know the first seven weeks or so. And so on top of that, 
Now you have a strong, strong year three last season. And now going into year four, he's as motivated as ever. And I mean, you're not going to get in, in the way between that guy and his money. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm sensing. So I'm expecting another thousand yard season, and I would not be surprised one bit at all if he's the uh, top receiver for the 49ers this year in terms of receiving yards. In fact, I actually expect it. Yeah, hundred percent. I I do too. I think he's going to be the top receiver on this team. Um, but like you said, you can't get in front of anybody, a player and their money, especially like Brandon Ayuk, who's going for his first actual contract extension. Unlike Debo, he's already had one. But Debo knows what it takes, so he's also trying to get his money too. So it's going to be interesting. Um, you touched on it. Interesting take. You said, you know, ho- hopefully, I think all Niner fans would love to have them both. But it may ultimately come down to the the bottom line, the numbers. And they may only be able to keep one guy next year. We'll see. I mean, again, it does make sense to keep Brandon Ayuk, as you mentioned. The injuries, you know, if you go side to side, you run the tape, you know, tailor the tape between the two players. Obviously, Debo has missed more games. But it's interesting you bring up that second year because, yes, he was in the doghouse. He started a little sluggish. He had an injury coming into that season in training camp. I remember it was the hamstring, and I feel like he got off to a bad start, and that might have mentally kind of threw him up. And that's the thing. When you have injuries, it slows you down a little bit, and that's what kind of happened with Debo over the last couple of years. The year he had uh, before 2021, he came in. Remember, he fractured the foot. Um, he wasn't in shape, so he didn't have that big season. It was the year after where he just was, you know, put himself in the lab. He got himself in, in the best shape he was, and that's when 2021 came out. So it's going to be interesting. Wide receiver is going to be a fun, fun battle. But, um, you know, speaking of money, speaking of getting paid, um, Supreme over here has a great question. He says, when is Bosa getting his contract? And this is something that we should talk about as we're talking into what to look um, uh, for before training camp. Typically, the 49ers, if you follow the you know, uh, the contract situation over the last few years with Debo, as we mentioned, Fred Warner, uh, George Kittle, et cetera, et cetera. Most of their big hitter guys, they get paid right before training camp opens, like a day before or a few days before. And then we're all hyped up. Training camp comes and that's the talk of the first few days, the guy that got paid. Oh, look at Fred Warner. Oh, look at Debo. Oh, look at Kittle. You know, and this year it's going to be, oh, wow, look at both of the whatever million dollar man. So I feel he's going to get paid pretty close to training camp. He says he's not worried, you know, in his press conference a week or so ago. He says he knows he's going to get what he believes he's worth. Um, I I think they'll take care of it, like I said, right before training camp. Now, the question, the million-dollar question, Rohan, is how much is he worth? How much is he going to get paid? What do you think that Nick Bosa, Nicholas John Bosa, how much is he worth? This is a very interesting question, and I'm going to say something that I don't know if many people resonate with because, obviously, of the stature of the player. I think with the number of contract extensions the 49ers have done, backtracking, we're talking George Kittle, Fred Warner, Trent Williams, um, uh, Debo Samuel, whoever else, um, Ark Armstead, all of these contract extensions, I think this is the one that I'm the least worried about, which is interesting. Why do I say that? Because in every other contract negotiation – the 49ers were competing with another player to try and get a contract negotiation done. I, I know it necessarily wasn't necessarily there in the Kittle year, like right there, but that was a that was a nasty negotiation. <laughs> that was a nasty negotiation that a lot of people don't really understand. That one was tough. Warner was competing with Darius Leonard of the Colts. 49ers beat the Colts to it. Leonard got about six more million on that deal. And then obviously, uh, I mean, the, the the big ones were 
Trent Williams, we heard how that one went to the last second, and that one was tougher because he was going to be a free agent. And so that makes it a little different, you know, because there are other suitors there. Um, and then obviously, Ark Armstead to force Buckner, you know, you had all that drama there. And then the last one is Debo Samuel, and he was competing with four other receivers, essentially. And this is also in the offseason where the wide receiver market really, really took off. And mm-hmm. so to me, I'm not as worried because Bosa, there really isn't much to, uh, like, there isn't a certain guy you're competing with. The market's been set. TJ Watt has been paid. Miles Garrett has been paid. Those are the two guys that Bosa has been uh, compared to. Now, that doesn't mean that this contract isn't going to be expensive. This one's going to be expensive. And again, I'm not necessarily too worried about the AAV, average annual value. I don't care how much he makes a year. I care about the guaranteed money and the mm-hmm. signing bonus and the numbers like that, guaranteed money at signing. And if you look at numbers overall in terms of the edge market, remember back um, back in, I believe it was 2018 or 2019, whenever Joey Bosa got his contract, he reset the market significantly. Mm-hmm. There was a the, the contract before that in terms of guaranteed money was at $62 million. Bosa got a five-year $135 million deal and got $78 million guaranteed at signing. A huge $16 million jump. You don't necessarily you don't see that significant of a jump, right? Ever. And so that kind of money, that's wild. TJ Watt eclipsed that this past offseason or two offseasons ago. Um when he got 80 million guaranteed at signing, although that was his full guarantee in a four-year deal. Now, if you expect Bosa to get a five-year deal, you'd expect it to be somewhere in that $150 million range annually. But the biggest thing is how much guaranteed money does that bring? I think that it would eclipse the $80 million mark, somewhere probably in the $85 million mark to begin with after TJ Watt got $80 million, which is wild because the 49ers are essentially guaranteeing Vic Bosa three years of his deal. I wonder how big the signing bonus will be as well. And, Mm -hmm. I, I do wonder, like, the numbers behind it because his cap hit will go down. It's not going to be at $17 million this year. It'll go down to a, 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 a number a little more fair after because you understand the first year that base base number can be lowered a little bit. So it might go down to maybe $10 million. And the 49ers have space, obviously. They, they can keep it at 17 if they want. But the big numbers, how much, he, how much is he getting? He, I, I think guaranteed at signing, he's going to eclipse the market for that. And this might be, yeah, the biggest not the biggest deal for a non-quarterback that we've seen thus far in history. Although it seems right now there isn't much to worry about. I think both sides understand they'll get it done. Bosa, obviously, he he isn't even worrying about the deal. He's just he's just practicing as as if um, he he he's going about his business. You know, he works out in Florida mainly anyway. He didn't really miss. He you don't care if Bosa misses minicamp. So, yeah, I, I think that this is a good sign for Bosa uh, and the Niners. Obviously, that him him not really caring about it right now. But as for when it gets done would expect around training camp that's when you know and i know a lot of people ask why doesn't it get done earlier well a couple of factors one is when there's competition with other teams or other players players obviously want to wait make sure they get the best deal that normally happens last but second you you this is a huge contract negotiation you never start at the same spot because let's say the team offers what the player is initially offering for, uh, asking for they're going to ask for more than mm-hmm. understanding that the the team is 
that's that's their low point. So it starts from low offers from both sides, low and high, and then you obviously meet to the middle until you finally reach that impasse. The reason they sporadically happen during train or right before training camp is because teams understand and players understand there's a deadline. They want to get on the field, so they'll essentially reach a resolve right before then. Wouldn't expect it too much earlier before then, but that's when I'm expecting it. And wouldn't be surprised with 49ers if they are working the phone simultaneously in free agency, understanding the amount of money that they could free up. Oh, I like that. I'm going to dovetail off that in a minute. But yeah, going uh, to recap on Nick Bosa, I agree with you. I'm not even worried. I'm not at the slightest. And I think you hit it right on the head is there really isn't no competition in his signing. You know, last year, Debo, like you said, there was Terry McLaurin, A.J. Brown, Hollywood Brown. There were so many receivers on the market. And it was I, And every week was like, they got to pay him. Otherwise, his price is going to go up. And Debo knew that because he was like, well, look at the season I just had. I want my price to go up. And his agent represented every single one of those receivers. That was un- that was like historical to me. That was crazy. Like, shout out to the agent. He got every single one of those guys paid like astronomically. That, that was amazing um, in terms of, you know, contract negotiation. That was wild. But you're right. Nick Bosa, there's really nothing to worry about. He knows he's going to go out about his business and get paid. Because the team loves him. They value him. He's their cornerstone player. Um, and as far as the contract, yeah. I mean, those contracts don't just take – they don't they don't work them out overnight. It's a long, drawn-out process, as you kind of mentioned to Kittle. That, if you guys know, like, the behind-the-scenes on that one, that was a murderer's row contract. Like, oh, man, reading the stories about that whole contract situation, I'm, I'm surprised they even figured it out at the end. It was, like, nasty. It's, like, so nasty, man. The agent and the back-and-forth. You know, Parag and, and the penny pinching and this and that. And I was like, just, oh, man, it's crazy. But, yeah, I have no worries about Bosa. I think um, he will set the market, like you said. I agree. I think he's probably getting paid $85 million guaranteed. Uh, Team Money says he's getting $90 million guaranteed. That would be wild. I mean, I wouldn't be too surprised because you never know. Nick Bosa definitely is going to reset the market, though, like his brother did. Um, and he just, like you say, goes about his business. He trains in Florida. He has a strict regimen, very disciplined. Kyle came in and said, how's your summer? He says, it's good. I've been on a boat and working out. They don't need him at minicamp. He'll be ready to roll for training camp. Um, I do like what you said about, you know, with this extension is they're going to have a little bit more money, obviously, with an extension. You free up a little cap space. So that brings me to the next question is, okay, this is something a lot of people have talked about. Can they get another um, veteran pass rusher? We've seen Leonard Floyd now. We've seen Frank Clark over the last uh, week. Um, those two guys signed, and they weren't big contracts. They were kind of a steal, you know, less than $10 million. Um, They were one-year prove-it deals for veteran edge rushers. Obviously, the 49ers, they're expecting a lot for Drake Jackson in year two. Um, they don't have, you know, a huge name. They got Cleland Farrell, who could probably replace Ebby Cam or Amenahu. Then you got some other guys, some filler guys on the roster, where I feel like they still can go after another edge rusher. Right? There's a few guys out there. Um, somebody in the comments said maybe they can go and, trade for Chase Young, you know, that definitely is a possibility he's on the market. But what do you what do you think? Who who could they probably get and what would they likely spend if they are going to, you know, extend Bosa, they're going to free up a little bit of cap space. They got about 10 right now, roughly. Um who who can they go and get if if they free up some cap space? And you think they are going to do it. So give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, and if they I mean, first of all, I want to point this out. They already have cap space. They have 10 million in cap space right now. It's not like they're they're in dire need of cap space. And there are a couple of things that the 49ers like to do. One, they could keep the money for a midseason acquisition because remember, mm. 
midseason acquisitions are a lot different than trades in the offseason. Why? Because teams don't have cap space in uh, during the season. So you often see a team trading a player eat money, and then they get better draft capital in return. A clear example, the Rams traded for Von Miller the, uh, in, I believe, in 2021 when they went for the Super Bowl. The Rams, though, instead of trading maybe two mid-round picks, they traded a second and a third-round pick because the Broncos ate the entirety of Von Miller's $10 million salary there. And so to me, I think that uh, you know, they could save it for a midseason acquisition where they could eat some of the money in that deal and not necessarily have to give up as much draft compensation should they want to do that. It's it's an insurance thing. The other thing, injury. Wait for uh, if, if a, a 49ers and injuries, they've happened a lot. You wait for that injury to occur and then uh, essentially you can you can use that money to sign a backup. I like this question here because it leads to the third scenario. You don't think that they're going to roll over the money due to the uh, Brandon Ayuk deal. Unfortunately, the 49ers just haven't gotten the chance to roll over money much recently. They don't roll. They haven't rolled over too much money. This would be the most ideal scenario. Rolling over the money. Why? Because you get 10 extra million in cap space next year. And it's not that they need it for the IU deal because the IU deal, again, he was a guy on a fifth year option. You likely can decrease that cap hit and get even more money when you extend IU next offseason because he'll be on that first year of his deal. So I don't think that that'll, I, I don't think it's necessarily for that, but it's more so keeping space so that you can keep more of your core guys because not only does IU get a new deal, but all the guys currently on extensions. Those cap hits go up by a few million every single year. And so when you have seven guys on max contracts or high-level contracts and the cap hits going up two to three million, that's 15 extra million that you're essentially losing from the year past in terms of specifically in terms of cap space and cap hits. And so they could roll over the money. I don't know if that's the most uh, uh, most logical thing just based on their past, but it would be the most ideal scenario. But to answer your question overall, after going through the scenarios, who could they get? And we're talking about free agency right now because mm-hmm. there are a couple of free agents I think the 49ers could be interested in. And you immediately got to go to the market that slowly players are going off. And that's the edge market. The 49ers obviously didn't dabble into the edge market that much this uh, this offseason. Instead, went for a defensive tackle. They got... Uh, Javon Hargrave, a massive four-year, $84 million deal, and that was their big signing. But instead of going after an edge to replace Samson Ebucom or Charles Amenehue, they signed mainly depth pieces. Uh, Cleveland Farrell's a guy like that. Austin Bryant, I don't know if he makes the 53, but he's a guy like that. Right now, you really have Bosa, Jackson, Drake Jackson, that is, and Cleveland Farrell. Those are the three guys that I believe are locks to make the 53, just based on the money and based on draft status and things like that. But apart from that, I don't think that there are many people like uh, that they uh, that are locks to make the 53. And that's where you have your money. If Drake Jackson doesn't isn't the guy who you believe he is right now, or you think that he worked better in a timeshare kind of role rather than being that full time defensive end, you can go out and get an edge. And there are a lot of names available. Yannick Ngakwe is the the main fish. He's primarily a pass rusher, not really a great run defender. He could be used in a situational role. He's uh, just 28 years old, and I think the biggest holdup with these guys is they're waiting for multi-year deals, hoping Mm -hmm. that a multi-year deal can come. The first two off the board, Leonard Floyd, I believe, he went to the Bills, and then Mm -hmm. we just saw another deal with the Broncos recently. They were both one-year deals in Leonard Floyd and Frank Clark. 
guys are might might be waiting for two-year deals or might be waiting for more incentive guys deals understanding they can wait till training camp but some names Ngakwe is there another guy Dewan Smoot he's a younger guy uh from Jacksonville and then a couple of other guys Alquadine Muhammad guy who started for Chicago last year Melvin Ingram Justin Houston are some of the older guys even Robert Quinn's one of the older guys and if you want to run specialist Davion Clowney um is obviously there and he's a guy who seems like he wants to win a lot a lot a lot of names albeit some of the older names in this edge market right now yeah no there's there's still some good talent out there like you said Yannick I mean that would be the prize of the uh free agent market but I think you're right I think he's looking for a multi-year deal but at this point Training camps around the corner, you got to take what you can get and parlay that one-year deal into a multi-year deal next year, you know, uh, kind of a prove-it type of deal. When you got a guy like Chris Kosurik, you would probably, if I'm a, one of these guys, I would take it, bank on it, let him show me that, let him get me paid. Look at how many guys he's gotten paid over the last couple of years with the 49ers. Arden Key, prime example, you know, the guy was kind of a, a bust, if you, if you will, right? And now he's a you know, getting paid pretty solid out in Jacksonville. So shout out to, to Zurich. I think if we get a guy like Jadavion Clowney, who, I mean, he never lived up to his draft hype, but the guy could probably come in and be a very, very solid player with the 49ers. So you never know. We'll see. I, I agree with you. I don't think that money um, that they're going to have extra laying over um, after Bosa and even right now is for Ayuk. I think they're going to wait and um, take care of that next year, you know, with whatever they have left and, figure that whole because that's a whole nother situation that's another contract negotiation we got to see how he does this year while raj comes back yeah i mean that's something that he's right we've got to see and wait till he comes this year there you are but he's right we got to see Wait till he comes this year, and specifically on Drake Jackson. We've heard nothing but good remarks thus far from Drake Jackson about what what the 49ers should expect. He was talked about heavily in the early portion of the offseason. John Lynch, and even when Steve Wilkes came around, he talked about him, talked about how he's been in the building. He's working, looking to get bigger. And with the 49ers, you have to wait and see the product because it might not always, you know, whatever they say might not always come to fruition when you actually come and see them alive uh come otas minicamp or whatever jackson looks bigger he looks the part right now which is the biggest part he's up to 265 pounds he said and is looking to get bigger up from 252 last year and that weight was a big issue last year because you know it wore him down as the season went on and led to him being an inactive and so it's cool to see he's bulking up will help him in that run defense kind of role as a uh as a rush defending edge and all but overall looking to see what Drake Jackson can do in this defense, but also how big of a role can he uh, can he take on from the 49ers? That's the huge question that I'm really looking forward to when we, uh, when we see him back on the field in about 40 days. How big of a role can Drake Jackson take on? Because if, it, if it's a bigger role, you don't necessarily need to spend that money. If it's a smaller role, then, you know, you might need to spend that money and effectively utilize a chime share somewhere. Yeah, no, sorry about that. A little, uh, people have been blowing me up. This like worst time, I guess, to, to pick a time to stream today. But in any case, um, what was I going to say? So, yeah, Drake Jackson, the guy looks absolutely beefed up, like Polish says. Um, I've seen him up close personal over the last couple of weeks. Uh, he's been working his butt off, so you could tell he's been really, uh, you know, fixing himself. But I still think, like you said, there's only three lots at edge. 
you gotta get another guy. Justin Houston, go give me a Justin Houston. He's a solid veteran. Um, but we'll see. I mean, you never know who steps in and, and takes that next role. You never know. Maybe Beal, the guy they drafted, can be a solid rotationary player. So it's gonna be interesting. Training camp's gonna be fun. That's what it's all about, seeing the battles. Speaking of battles, um, there's one battle that I don't think is being talked about enough right now, but during training camp, it's gonna be wild and crazy. The cornerback depth actually this year to me it looks phenomenal out there and you know it's kind of a, a nice change in the in a, a nice change of direction because the last couple of years it wasn't like that you know we had drake Kirkpatrick, we had josh norman and we were pulling our hair out on game days now we got a lot of you know cornerbacks you got diameter lenore looking to break out uh you got mooney ward obviously he was the big free agent last year um you got two guys that that could be solid duo i know they lost mosley but um, I think Diamond Lenore, who stepped in for his place last year, can really become a solid number two cornerback. And then you have, you know, Oliver, who they brought in to be that nickel cornerback. I feel like he's going to take over that role that K1 left that was kind of missing last year. Um, then you got a lot of other players that they have with this team. Luther, they got, you know, Hartsfeld. And then you got the safeties, Gibson and Ufunga, and then uh, Brown, who you drafted with their, their first pick in the draft. So to me, secondary is going to be fun. But there's a, some other guys. You know, Ambry Thomas, this is the last chance for him to really showcase that he can make it to this roster. So 53-man roster is going to be tough to crap if you crack if you're a cornerback. I'm, I'm excited because there's some other guys I didn't even mention that um, are going to be out there working their butts off, you know, um, in terms of secondary. So I'm, I'm excited. Um, I know we lost some players, you know, Jimmy Ward, a veteran. But I like a, uh, what Tashawn Gibson brings to the table. I think Brown's going to be really solid. Um, you know, early on, he might have to really, you know, harness himself and find a role in this uh, defense. But you got Steve Wilkes. He's a defensive backs guy. I, I don't know, man. I'm really excited to see what these young cornerbacks are looking like. Corners are Dan interesting. Womack. I forgot. I yeah. didn't even mention. Corners are definitely interesting. I think that when you look at the starting group, it, it, I, it's not necessarily 100% confirmed, but it essentially is in the way that words were being used. You've got Lenore on the outside, and uh, he'll complement Trevorius Ward just like last year. Oliver, it seems like when Steve Wilkes talked, he said when Ward was gone, Jimmy Ward, that is, when he left in free agency, they wanted to get the best nickel on the board, and that was Isaiah Oliver. Pretty high praise. Seems like he's locked into that nickel role. But you've got some really good depth, right? And it's not necessarily really good depth, but really uh, competitive depth in that you have Ambry Thomas, who seems like might be a little little higher um, than initially anticipated. You've got him. You've got Diamond Lenore. Sorry, not Diamond Lenore. Samuel Womack. And then you've got Darrell Luter. That's six guys there. I don't know if they carry six guys. They likely might only carry five guys, which might lead to a competition on the back end. But an important thing to note about the corners, something that we don't really, uh, we didn't really talk about last year, just based on um, because of the smooth transition and the the importance of it with the amount of injuries that were faced. There wasn't really like a solidified player at the positions for the entire year. Lenore had to move from the inside to the outside. Well, he initially was on the outside in camp. Moved to the inside in the last week and then moved back to the outside in week six, um, essentially after Mosley tore the ACL in week five. Also, Verrett injured, right? And that, that might have prompted a little bit. Uh, we don't know what went on in practice there. Were they playing on the outside? How is that going along? And then also, um, Jimmy Ward, right? He was the nickelback, but he was initially supposed to be a safety. Then got moved down to nickelback and played there. 
this year it seems like we've got some continuity. Lenore, a, a full like half year or two thirds of the year down under his belt at the outside Nick uh, at the outside position, and it seems like a lot better, a lot more confident. Spoke about it with uh, NBC's Matt Mayoko the other day. Um, I saw on a podcast where he you know he talked about um, his growth, really what changed the the mentality switch from year one to year two that allowed him to play like he did last year, and it seems like his confidence level is pretty high right now and he, he's gonna have some continuity and then at the nickel spot you've got isaiah oliver a player who while he hasn't been in the system he's played nickel the last two years which were much better than his first three years in the nfl wasn't a great player in his first few years you know struggled a little bit on the outside moved to the nickel seemed uh seemed to be a lot more comfortable in the nickel and that's the role he plays with the 49ers and he might fit the mold of what Steve Wilkes wants to do with his aggressive scheme. So seems interesting uh, in terms of the continuity with the starters. With the backups, though, you're right. Darrell Luter, he's a guy who's in there. Um, and then obviously Ambry Thomas and Sam Womack. Everybody is flashed a little bit. You talk about Womack. He was a guy who they were really high on last year. And it, they, he was the starter coming into uh, yep. coming out of camp at the nickel position. Obviously, it phased out a little bit, and he's a more of an inside-outside guy. But you know, uh, got to build that frame a little bit. Got to got to work uh, at the ball a little bit better. But long arms, you know, he's prototypical. And the big thing is he played special teams last year. That's important um, for that backup cornerback spot. And he played special teams pretty well last year for the 49ers. Terrell Luter, we'll see what he can do, but um, you know, had a couple of moments in uh in in minicamp and OTAs thus far, and also how is his special teams ability? That's a question. But Ambry Thomas seems like on, a little bit on the uptrend. We'll see if he can save himself for roster spot. Right now, seems like on the outside looking in, but he he's another guy. Will be a fun battle between those three at the end. Yeah, no, I agree with Womack, man. That guy, I, I mean, you, we were at training camp last year, and I just remember. I don't know. There was so many times I was like, oh, Womack, oh, Womack made a play. Like, he stuck out pretty good to me last year. So hopefully he can continue to do that this year so he can, you know, find a role on this team. But you're right. Special teams goes a long way, especially for the younger players, the rookies. I think that's kind of where they need to carve their role, and then eventually they work their way up. It, it, and that's the thing. This team is more of like a developmental team. It's not just you're going to be a starter unless you're a Nick Bosa type guy. You know, some of these guys, they work their way up from the bottom to the top. So – um, good to see. I love to see that kind of um, development. You know, it's 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 fun. You don't really see this in many teams in the league. You know, most of these play teams, they'll go buy a player, they'll go rent a player, they'll trade for a player. Um, the Niners build through the draft, man, and it's special. So good to see some of these younger guys step up, just like Hufunga last year. I mean, the guy was special teams that first year. He came in, spot, you know, spot starts or a couple reps here and there. And then second year, it was like, all right, I'm starting. And he became a all pro. So um, it's just amazing what they do with this team in terms of development. Now, in terms of, um, you know, development, we also got to talk about the offensive line because there's a lot of younger players on that side of the ball, too. Uh, we've talked about, you know, players that are expected to do good. You know, on the offensive line, we got Aaron Banks, year three coming in now, really year two because his first year was a red shirt. Spencer Burford, last year, solid. Both of those guys expected to be starters, and I think they're going to be. You know, two starting guards for many years to come. I think they're going to have a big season. You got Trent Williams. How many more years we got Trent for? You know, maybe one or two. Who knows? Um, Jake Brendel, he did good last year. Better than I ever thought he would have been. And he became our starting center, got paid for it. Um, you know, they have lost a few players. Obviously, the big one, Mike McGlinchey, and they replaced him with Colton McKivitz. That's the big question for most people coming into training camp. Can Colton McKivitz be better than Mike McGlinchey? Depending on you, who you ask, they'll give you a different answer. Um 
And then really the depth, you know, we lose Brunskill. He's the Swiss Army knife. Um, who's going to replace that role? I think Feliciano is a guy that could really uh, challenge for that role. Um, but he wants to start. But you got Spencer Burford. Really, it's his job to lose. So um, then you got Zakel, Poe, you know, a lot of a lot of younger players. You got Jalen Moore. So I feel like this depth of this offensive line, this is a critical year for them to develop and showcase that they could be solid players, especially if they have to come in on a, on a you know, injury or whatever the case is because that was the issue is that's that's kind of hampered this team is the starting line is usually pretty good but it's it's the backups can they come in if they have to and be a very good starter um in, you know in limited time whenever something happens again Trent Williams love the guy but he is getting older and there's a few times through the season where he uh, misses games because he plays so physical the guy's just a monster um so they they got to have good depth and that I feel like is what's really going to be important for uh, this group is specifically in training camp. And then is there going to be a gem that kind of sticks out that you're like, holy smokes, where, where was this guy all along? So I don't know. I don't, where, what are your thoughts on the offensive line? Do you think Colton McKivitz is going to be, you know, a really solid starter? I think people are saying he's kind of standing out. He's gotten good rate, you know, uh, reviews so far in training camp. Obviously no pads on and anything. So it's hard to really critique an offensive lineman. Uh, we'll see what happens in training camp. But you know, what are your expectations for him? Uh, obviously, Mike McGlinchey is a very polarizing uh, player for the 49ers. A lot of penalties. People hated him. Um, but he was a good run blocker, right? Pass protection was uh, something that he struggled in at times. So if he's a better – if Colton McKibbins is a better pass protector, are, are we good? Like, what, What's your thought on the whole situation? Yeah, I mean, we talk about McKibbins. We talk about um, the entire offensive line. I think it's 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 going to be a solid year. Last year, I said this would be a top 15, top 12 offensive line at worst if Mike McGlinchey was healthy to begin the season because he had the torn quadricep. Yeah. He, uh, he, he was healthy. 49ers, I thought, finished in the top 10 last year. And this was, again, at a time where a lot of people uh, coming out of uh, that camp time when, you know, there were some offensive line struggles were saying, nah, this unit, this unit not looking that great. But I expect a, a bump up from Banks, expect a bump up from Burford. Continuity is there with that first four, that uh, first four. And, I mean, McKivitt has also been there. He's spot started. Uh, it's now just can you develop consistency over a 17-game season. My biggest question is, is with you. It's the depth. Number one, I'm not looking at the interior. I'm looking at tackle. Who can be the backup tackle? McKivitt has played in spot duty, and he's played fine in spot duty before. I don't think there's a good spot tackle, though, on this team right now. Uh, you're talking about Leroy Watson. I'm not that confident in. Um, he's a guy who's still bulking up, you know, uh, a guy who uh, was a developmental tight end transformed into an offensive lineman. Jalen Moore, not that confident in that tackle. I prefer him at guard. 49ers won't play him at guard. Um, they played him once at guard. He was a first-team guy at guard, and then they bumped him back to tackle due to injuries and things last offseason. And so I don't, I'm don't, i not confident in him at tackle. And the other guys, Matt Pryor, wasn't good at tackle when he played with the Colts last year. So I'm not confident in any of the options at back of tackle. Could that be an area where the 49ers spend some money this offseason um, before uh, the season starts? There are some tackles available. I know George Fant's available from uh, the Jets, familiar with the system. Not necessarily as confident on the player, but familiar with the system. There are a couple of options available. That could be a thing. But also, in regards to the starting offensive line, you, you pointed it out. The biggest question is Colton McKivitz. How does the guy play, both in pass protection and run blocking? Seems like he might be a better pass protector than McGlinchey, although I'm not sure at the moment. 
he's he's going to be a worse run blocker for sure. But that that was McGlinchey's bread and butter. How does it how, how does it impact the offense? Because in the past, you know, the 49ers have got, gotten away with below average right tackle play at times, especially when McGlinchey was injured. But can they do it over a 17 game season? That's the big question. And again, it's not only about the regular season. Can they do it in the playoffs too? Mm-hmm. Because when we remember in 2021, uh, when Tom Compton was a starter uh, for the 49ers, or yeah, I believe it was 21, when Compton was a starter for the 49ers after McGlinchey had the injury, he was getting killed in the playoffs by the Rams in that game, in the NFC Championship game, and he wasn't that great in the playoffs overall. Can the 49ers have sustainability on that right side in the playoffs as well? Those are some questions I'm looking to see answered. Although overall, I still expect this unit to be a top 15 unit, definitely at worst this offseason, probably inching closer to that top 10 mark that they earned last year. Yeah, no, I could see them being a top 10 unit. Again, just like you said, it's the depth that I'm worried about. And, and that's a good point. Maybe the money that they have, you know, that they can utilize could be more well spent on a pass uh, on a pass protector on an offensive lineman. Yeah, that's a good point. We get hung up on the edge rushers, but that's just as important, making sure that the quarterbacks don't get hurt, right? The the one top, you know, topic that most of us spend an entire offseason talking about, we want to make sure that whoever it is stays healthy. So, I agree, you know, maybe go get some depth uh, uh in the free agent market. And and one thing you mentioned earlier that I want to kind of go back to, um you mentioned, you know, mid-season moves, you know. That's the thing is the 49ers over the last couple of years they kind of make it these mid-season moves over um, instead of worrying about stuff at the beginning of the season because it's it's really hard to see what you're going to need as the season progresses. Um, you know, maybe you find yourself 3-5 and five record and you're like, okay, what do we need to jolt this team? Last year it was CMC, right? They've done it a couple of years back with Emmanuel Sanders. And maybe this year they wait it out, mid-season comes, and like, okay, we really screwed the ball here with McKivitz or one of these guys. We need some extra, you know, pass protection. We'll go get an offensive lineman. So you never know. Maybe that that could be the midseason move. Um, I think they're going to roll with who they have because a lot of those guys are young, still developing. Uh, you know, Burford and Banks, they're, they're still pretty young. You know, they're, they're only in their second and third year, respectively. So, um, and McKivitz, he's, he's, you know, been in the league for a few years. It's not like he's 30, 40 years old out there. You know, he's really, this is his first year as a starter. Jake Brendel last year, this was his first year as a starter. And he played pretty well over the, you know, he took his time. They let him kind of come in and learn the ropes, um, although he was a journeyman before that. But that's what the 49ers do. Again, they develop talent. So I think they like to see what they have with their finished product before they make a, a rash decision. But if they find themselves three and five and that's the issue, they'll figure it out because they do not need to be three and five. With Whatever it is, I hope they don't start slowly this year because I think they need to get that number one seed. Hopefully they got off to a good start. I want to see them. 6-0, and 7-1, something like that to start the season. Because if they're playing on the road again, it's going to be a tough playoff uh, battle. It's just easier when you're at home. You don't have to travel. You have your, your home field advantage. You got the faith. You got Rohan out there at the games. We need it, man. We need we need all of us at the games. Um, I mean, that's yeah. a good point. That travel at the end of the year, it's excruciating. Doing it for three consecutive weeks especially. And, you know, the 49ers, you, they had a little bit of a break last year, right? Um, were a division winner. Uh, I believe, yeah, ended up getting the two seats. So they got two home games. You don't travel for two straight weeks. Yeah. 2021, you had to travel, I, th- I think it was four straight weeks because you had a week 18 against the Rams and then three straight road games uh, in the playoffs. And so it's tough for sure to, to do that. It's That one seed is very valuable. 
and the biggest way to get it is what you pointed out, that early start, because the 49ers have a, early, a better early, early season schedule compared mm-hmm. to the late season schedule. Consequently, however, you know, they haven't performed as well early season compared to late season later on. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's monumental to get a good start, but um, their schedule bodes well early in the season. A little tough, like you said, towards the end. We'll see how the rest of the teams go. But, I, I mean, they were just so tired last year towards the end of the season. And, and going back to the year previously, 2021, when they were on the road for every playoff game. I mean, I traveled to those games. I was tired. I didn't even play any games. I just from traveling. I can only imagine how the Niners were. They had to play, you know, <laughs> playoff football and travel. So um, let's hope that they get off to a hot start. Um, I got a question for you, Rohan. It's uh, from Peter Parker. He says, do you think Trey lights it up during training camp? What do you think? You think Trey Lance is going to tear it up during training camp and wow everybody knock the socks off? What, what do you think? This is a big question, right? Because we haven't really seen Trey Lance in training camp that much. Um, first first off seasons, obviously the first off season, a raw prospect, you know, but he was competing with Jimmy Garoppolo uh, a little bit. You know, he was pushing him a little bit. We saw in the open practices, training camp number two, he yeah, it was just given the reins, fully given the reins. Not a chance he was going to be, uh, not going to be the starter to start the year. And he was uneven. He was inconsistent and had accuracy issues. A lot of good flashes, but a lot of flashes of a young quarterback. This is his most crucial training camp for sure. Right now, based on what reports we've gotten thus far, seems like it's again a little bit inconsistent, right? Um, good flashes. I'm assuming I'm I'm expecting him to keep his distance from Sam Donald and expect him to take over as the the quarterback, uh, the favorable quarterback of the bunch. But he needs to light it up for him to have a shot with Brock Purdy. And I've said on stream as well that I believe if Brock Purdy returns and is able to suit up for week one, I don't think there's a chance he loses his job. The only way that a quarterback like the reason the 49ers are saying there can be a competition and the job is up for grabs is. In the case that Purdy isn't healthy, you've got a chance to prove in real life, in, in real game action, that you can be the guy. That's the only way I think Lance can win the starting job. And I think that there's still a good possibility. I've pegged that Lance will still be the week one starter, despite the recent reports. I don't think the 49ers rush Purdy back at the moment. But I hope he lights it up for his own sake, given the way that his, uh, his, uh, his career has gone so far. Right now, though, I'm expecting a little more of the inconsistencies although more brighter moments than last offseason to compile um, all together with the uh, with the added work that he's done. Yeah, no, I agree. I think he's going to have a better training camp than he was last year. Last year really was his first, you know, full foray as, as becoming the quarterback one, you know, in all intents and purposes. We all kind of had that feeling he was going to be the guy, and then it wasn't perfect. He had his ups and downs. I think you're going to see uh, similar stuff this year, maybe more ups than downs. I mean, he's still raw, you know, he hasn't had a lot of experience, but I feel like maybe also with Purdy being there, it's just going to have everybody on their P's and Q's. And, and if, if Purdy's out there and he's ready to roll week one, they've already said, you know, he's pretty much the guy. Uh, but at the same time, they want to make sure he's 100% ready. They don't want to rush it. So this does give Trey a, an opportunity to, sh- like you said, if he goes out there and he just lights it up and you're like, okay, man, we can at least keep Purdy on the back burner for three weeks. We know we can win some games with, with Trey. So it's, this is a big one. This is a big one for Trey. This is a big one for the whole 49er team because they got a, a, a roster that's just so star-studded. They just need to make sure they, like you said, get out of the gates and win games. Can Trey win you games early off the, the blocks, you know? He hasn't had a lot of experience. He's 2-2 two and two as a starter. Um, you know, a lot of people wrote him off, but um, he's he just wants to compete, like he said, and 
it's going to be a fun training camp in terms of quarterback. There's going to be a lot of crazy reports. There's going to be people be overreacting at the end of the day. The people that know if he's capable are the coaches. And then that's who we have to trust, you know. Um, and then you got the wild card, Sam Darnold, you know. Uh, we'll see what he can do. A lot of people think that with the 49ers offense that he might be able to resurrect his career or turn it around or whatnot. So it's going to be interesting. I think Brock Purdy will probably be healthy to start the season. And I think, you know, all of this offseason talk is just going to be talk. And I think Brock's going to be our week one starter. Now let's hope he can stay healthy because that's when the drama will hit. If Brock's, you know, not healthy and then who the hell is going to replace him. That that's to me, to me, that's when it would get very interesting right now. I think it's pretty cut and dry. As long as Brock doesn't have any setbacks and he's healthy 100%, I don't think there's much of a story. It's it's if he gets hurt or he has a setback or he's not ready to play, that's when we have a, a big story. So we'll see. I'm going to let it play out. Um, yeah. Whoever's the quarterback is the quarterback. I just want him to win games, man. Because, like I said, I want exactly. them to a hot start into the season. Speaking of the season, Rohan, what's your record prediction? I know it's still early. I know the training camp hasn't started. But you've seen the you've seen the schedule. What do you got? A little early record prediction. What do you think? I've actually I've done a record prediction. I believe the last two years when the schedule came out. This year, though, I forget exactly what I was doing. When, or I was in school, I believe, when the schedule dropped. So I didn't do a schedule like a, I didn't do a schedule live stream or anything like that. I haven't even I haven't done a, a significant record prediction at all. Um, so if we look at the schedule overall with the 49ers, I think that this one's going to be interesting because, like I pointed out. I think their early game schedule is a little easier than their later game schedule, uh, their later year schedule, excuse me. However, 49ers haven't always been as good in the early portion of the year. But if I were to predict a a a record, I would go along the lines of similar to last year in the 11 and six range, prob- 11 and six, 12 and five range. That's where I'm heading. I think the 49ers will drop a game that is unexpected. But once they get into a groove midseason, by the midseason point, I expect their quarterback situation and all to be figured out. I expect it to be figured out before then. But I think they'll be in a full groove by that point. And I think that they'll be able to beat some tougher opponents. And you look at that late season schedule, their strong, uh, their, their toughest stretch is when they face Seattle on the road on Thursday night in Week 12, go to face the Eagles at the link in week 13, and then come back to face the Seahawks at home in week 14. That weeks 12 to 14 is a really crucial point. You see the Ravens two weeks later at home on Christmas Day. A lot of crucial games in that stretch. Yeah, that's going to be a rough stretch. I mean, that that could really kind of determine the NFC right there. Um, You got two games against Seattle. That's the division most likely. I think Niners and Seattle are going to be the top two teams in the NFC West. And... The Eagles, it's going to be Niners and Eagles. I honestly think that that little stretch of games will be what determines the NFC as long as the Niners can get off to a hot start uh, to start the season because I think the Eagles are too. Um, and then you got the Ravens. That's a tough game on Christmas. I'll be at that one. I'm not going to lie. That's, that's a tough game. The Birds the birds usually aren't – they don't bode well for the 49ers sometimes, historically. Birds and the Niners, we always got some issue, issues with the Bird team. So hopefully this year we can make that Bird gauntlet and, and take care of business. But – it, it like you said, it really starts with making sure the quarterback situation is figured out and it's it, it stabilized. And hopefully by that point of the season, it's it's nice and ready and we're on a on a roll. But I also I think this defense is going to be very very instrumental in winning a lot of games as they always are. This defense is so good, man. So um, and then you got the guy named CMC who we haven't even talked about today. Who this is his first year with the 49ers, first full year. This is going to be his first full year 
as a member of the 49ers last year. He came in midseason. He's, yeah, it's going to be scary to see what this offense can be with him um, through the whole season, you know, and the guy's just work ethic is amazing. I, I don't know, man. I think this team can win 12 to 13 games. That's kind of what I had it as. Cause again, I feel like there's a lot of winnable games early on this season and he might take a few L's here and there. I mean, there's always some losses that you're just scratching your head and you're going, how did they lose that? But overall, I think the Niners should be able to win 12 to 13 games and hopefully that's good enough for the number one seed. So we'll see, man. I'm, I'm excited. Um, training camp next month. I'll be there. You'll be there. Trey Lance will be there. Everybody's going to be there. It's going to be fun, man. Yeah, I agree, man. It'll be fun. It'll be a fun time and, uh, Excited to see how it goes. Excited to see how this training camp goes. Excited to see how it all goes. Yeah, yeah. Any big prediction? Or so before we end it up here, any big predictions for training camp? Breakout players? Who's who's your who's your breakout player on offense and defense coming in? Maybe just training camp or or into the season. That somebody's gonna have a huge training camp and then carry it into the season. Who who's that guy for you? Two guys pop in my mind. They're the two guys that I've talked about as breakout players thus far, and I think they can continue to improve on their performance. Defensively, got to go with Jair Brown, a guy who has continuously racked up interceptions, it seems, in the early OTA portion. Talked about it extensively, wrote about it as well in terms of how I think that he can push for a starting job. I don't know how many three safety sets the 49ers will include. This group of safeties is different than before because I thought Jimmy Ward was primed to play that nickel role. He even showed it last year by playing it at an elite level at the end of the year when he was like specifically at that role. But when he was even uh, playing it only for 200 snaps in a, in a year, I thought he played it well and that allowed for a lot more versatility in that safety room. This year, I'm not that confident confident in the other options at that big nickel role. And so I think there might not be as many three safety sets as some people may want, which means you got two on the, uh, two on the field. And I think Jair Brown's got a chance to potentially push offensively. Got to go with JP Mason, Jordan Mason. The reason being, I think he's also got a chance to really push Elijah Mitchell for that RB2 role. Already seen Elijah Mitchell accumulate one small injury in OTAs, obviously holding him out as a precaution, but Mason, he showcased some small flashes of pass catching last year. I think the third down ability was the biggest thing. How can he pass catch? How can he pass protect? And if he can improve that pass protection, I think he gets a bigger role because his pass catching seems to have improved this offseason. And that's a big thing because the 49ers, they want similarity. They want continuity when they take McCaffrey off the field. Don't want to eliminate any plays out of their package of plays when they put Mason on. If Mason can do uh, a little bit of the pass catching and kind of play that third down kind of back role as well i think it increases the opportunity that he could receive and that also further solidifies himself as a runner because he's he'll have more opportunities to be a runner where he was dominant with five and a half uh, yards per carry last year no those are two solid picks i love mason that's one of my breakout guys too um i mean we saw him come out of nowhere last year training camp came and we were going who's this guy undrafted guy he makes the roster like that's uh, that that's what Kyle Shanahan does. He finds these undrafted running backs and he just makes them very solid players on his team. There's so many of them through the years with the Niners. You know, Jeff Wilson, Matt Breida. We can go on and on. Like that's that's it. And Jordan Mason, man, this guy is he runs so hard. I, I think he's going to be our RB too. I love Elijah Mitchell, but his inability to stay healthy is his downfall. So I agree. I like Jordan Mason, but my two. Um, I'm I'm going to go different with you. So I want to throw some other names out there. I'm going to go defensively. Marcelino McCreary ball. We haven't heard a lot of him. Uh, maybe if you've been at training camps in preseason, yeah. Uh, this guy, I think he's going to take that role that Aziz Al-Shahir left. Uh, you know, the guy was a hard hitter. 
we love disease, but I think Mark McCurry Ball is prime for a, a nice little uh, breakout season there with the 49ers. I think he's going to win that role. Linebackers, you know, deep. The 49ers drafted a lot of linebackers this year. Uh, they have a lot on their roster, but I think McCurry Ball is going to be the guy that takes that role um, that was left over by Aziz. This guy's just smart. He's physical. He's tough. Um, he, he's a good, fast linebacker, you know, lateral speed. He, he's solid, man. I love this guy. He's just got a lot of energy. So I got McCreary Ball uh, on defense. And then one guy to look out for on offense. I know we he's kind of a, a role player. I think he's going to have a bigger year this year because he's in a contract year. I like Jawan Jennings a lot this year. We all know he's kind of like that physical, like, glue guy. He's the Draymond Green. He just kind of gets under, um, you know, cornerback skin. But I, I just think that he's going to have a big year because if he doesn't, I don't know if a lot of teams are going to really want to pay him. You know, this is a free agent year for him, basically. Whether he wants to come back to the Niners or test the market next year, it all kind of – his money is all going to be determined on, on this season. So I feel like Jawan Jennings is going to have a, a really solid year, more better than a lot of people think. Because remember when Kendrick Bourne, he went and became a free agent? That year before he was a free agent, that was a very good re- year for him. You know, he was traditionally a third-down receiver, but he became one of the better players for the 49ers. I think – uh, Juwan Jennings is kind of going to emerge as a, as a kind of a go-to guy uh, for the quarterback, whoever it may be at times. And I think Kyle Shanahan loves him. You know, he's earned a spot on this team because of his blocking and his grittiness. But I think he's going to really um, kind of break out this year and then maybe have six, 700 yards receiving. I don't know. That's, that's what I think. Those two guys right there. We'll see it, man, because if, I mean, if that happens, I don't know about six, 700 yards, but if that happens, I mean, you've got a couple of options and that's another reliable piece, right? And I mean, I could see the motivation, right? Understanding that, you know, it's contract year. You can get paid if you, if you play well, you already can block, you receive a little better, you can, you can get paid. Let's see, hopefully the number one thing for him, can he drop or can, well, it's funny. Can he drop the drop rates? Yeah. Drops. Big issue uh, thus far with the hands, you know. Yeah. If he can drop that, looking solid. Yeah, I think if he can hold on to the ball a little bit better, we're good. And kind of increase his touchdown rate. Um, if, if he's really a red zone guy, he may catch some touchdowns in the red zone. So uh, we'll see, man. I'm excited. Um, anything else you got going on this week? I know you said you've been busy. Um, but what else you got going on this week, Rohan? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we've got live streams. Today with Raj, tomorrow we'll be with Marco on 40, uh, uh, on uh, Clutch Gene Sports, and then Wednesday we'll likely be with Sunil. So we'll have some uh, we'll have some fun shows. Hopefully we get something lined up as well for Thursday. Um, but yeah, man, it's a it's a, it's a nice week. Another f- a week of 49ers talk, and I'm sure there will be something that pops up between Monday and Thursday, even though we're in the dead part of the off season. Yeah, there's got to be something. I mean, they had a second workout with that Jacquez guy, the XFL guy. Maybe they signed him. Maybe we could talk about that. But um, say what's up to Marco and Sunil for me. Um, as always, it's always good to have you on the show. Faithful, we love you. Appreciate the chat today. Uh, that's going to do it for tonight. You guys have a good rest of your week. If I don't see you, go Niners.